Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. I'm glad some of y'all remain standing because y'all feeling it with me. Huh? Hey, I need y'all to be honest in here for real. And I know some people, you love to be quiet. I prefer that you not be quiet, but I know some of y'all are going to be. But this is for the dudes, so ladies, just stay with me because I'm going to get to y'all. For the dudes in the room. Is there anybody in here that likes to be quiet and not show off while that song's going on, especially at the beginning? Come on, somebody. Like, the dude's in the room. All right, just awkward. Just kidding. But like every guy, I play this. I'm just letting y'all in a little bit. I play this for Leah sometimes. But, well, it's really about me. But she's never agreed with it either. She just rolls her eyes. It's whatever. It's crazy. But, but here's the truth, y'all. I don't know if y'all like that song or not, and I'm not asking you to like the song. It's something about the song that every man can, can kind of understand and feel something in that song because every man in the room desires to be significant. Every man in the room desires to be significant. And we all, if we'd be honest, and I don't know if you will, maybe it's just me that's crazy enough to stand up and say this is who I am, but I believe that every man desires to think that they're the man and other people to say that they're the man. Can anybody agree with me in here? Because that's just who we are. That doesn't make you bad. I need you to know this in here. It doesn't make you bad that when that song starts playing, I'm dancing behind there because I just like the song. And I wish that you thought I was the man. Praise the Lord. But praise the name of Jesus. But I need y'all to hear this today. This is what's really important. Everybody has an idea in their mind of what it means to be the man. You know what I mean? Like, we all have this idea. Like, what does it look like to be good at? What do I wish that I have? This is why this message is for ladies. I don't care where you come from or what background you have. At some point in time in your life, whether you're dating now or you dated 40 years ago, everybody looked around and thought, he's the man. (laughs) Huh? It shouldn't be quiet because y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I like what I see. He's the man. I like what I'm looking at. He's the man. Some of y'all today are like, yep, I saw him. He was in the lobby this morning. He's the man. I, I like, I'm, I, this, and we're all, listen, we're attracted to looks first. But what, ladies, does it look like to be the man that you should be chasing after? Who is the man that you should be going after? What does that look like? And men, this is for you. What does it really mean to be the man? Because I think so many of us have these ideas, me certainly included. I have these things that I've listed out. And today's really part of my testimony. It's a lot of the testimony of what's happened to me, especially the last three years. Because I always want to know this question, y'all. Who's the man? (laughs) Who is the man? Oh, that dude's doing this. He's the man. Oh, they've accomplished this thing. He's the man. Maybe, ladies, you understand what I'm talking about. But in this particular case, I know every man in the room feels the significant weight of being significant. 
of wanting to be the man, of wishing that people would tell us that we're awesome at what we do, that we're great to do these things, that we matter, that we're important. And even though we would say, I don't care about none of that, <laughs> bless God, I'm good at what I'm good at, and they don't matter what they think. That's not true. We so deeply desire to be built up for people to tell us that we're the man. And today I want to look at the characters of two men. And I'm telling you right now, it's fascinating how much this is us. It's fascinating how much this is us. So let me give you just a bit of background. Y'all listen to this. Let me just give you a little bit of background about these two men. Both of these men were kings in Israel. Saul was the very first king of Israel. Right after the age of Judges, Saul was the very first king, and David followed right behind him. And both of these dudes were great, mighty men. They killed people. They were awesome. The, good, the ones they should have killed. Don't miss that. They, they did the things that, that you would think that that's awesome. But there was a massive difference between these two. And this is what I want to talk about today. There's a massive difference between these two. We're going to start with Saul. Everybody say Saul. Saul. Not Saul. Okay, Saul. We're going to start here. 1 Samuel chapter 2. If you want to know why he was the man, 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 2 says that this dude was real handsome. Everybody say handsome. Is it bad to be handsome? Ladies, you should have said something louder than that. Is it bad to be handsome? No, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to look good. Lord, you could give me some more. All right, but... But it says he was a handsome man, and there was no one more handsome in all of Israel. That's good. He's on the billboard, right? He's the one that everybody's looking at. He's the man. And then it says that he was his shoulders up, head and shoulders, knees and toes. His shoulders up, he was taller than everybody else. Is Brian in here? He was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. No, it's, it's good. It's perfect. Are you back there? I need you. Come on. You're fast. You can get up here in like three seconds. I need y'all to see what this looked like, okay? You probably don't even have to go around the steps because you're athletic. Y'all see this? Hey, this has nothing to do with the message. This is free. When you're big, that don't happen. Jesus' name. All right. But I want y'all to see this. Brian is average height in Israel, and I'm Saul. Brian is everybody. I'm Saul. That's about right, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. I need y'all to take a, a mental picture of this. Because you know what I thought of in the first service? When, when Brian played basketball for us, and I coached basketball for several years, we would walk into gyms, and Brian was one of our best players. And I promise you, before God and before Brian, because you were there, people would laugh at us, didn't they? They would look, and, and his brother's about two inches taller than him, and we had another guy that was about Brian's height, and they would look and say, and they all three started, and they would look at us and say, do they know we're playing basketball? And we beat them by 30. Smoke them. I mean, they went home crying. I'm not joking. Or they, some of them puked because we did that, what you just saw, right? Very important to keep that mental image in your mind about this and to keep the difference in stature. Awesome. That's my boy, y'all. That's my dude. If we were going to pick the first pick in the Jesus King draft, if we were going to take the dude that we thought should be the first pick, if we got to hand pick like Israel did, who should be the king because who the man is, 
right? Who is the man? Who really is that dude? I probably would go with Israel and say the man more handsome and taller than everybody else by head and shoulders. He was massive, and he was that dude, and he was a great warrior, and he was a pretty good guy besides that, by the way. He's the first pick in the church draft when we get to decide who should be in charge. He's the first pick in our lives when we say, Who's the guy that I wish was my husband? Who's the guy that I wish was my dude? Who's the guy that I wish was my best friend? Who's the guy that I wish was beside me? He is man's choice. The People's Choice Award goes to Saul because he's who we would pick. Somebody thought that was funny. Thank you, whoever it was. That was supposed to be. He's the man that we would pick. And I want you all to see something really significant. I'm going to go through the Bible. If you want to turn, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 because that's where we're going to stay. But I want to show you some highlights of who Saul was. Because the people picked and God said that sounds good, the Bible says that Samuel, who this book is named after and he was the prophet of God, he chose no one, but when God chose, he anointed. Anointing was oil and it would be poured all over your head and covered the body, but it literally was a symbolic thing of he set apart, there's something different about this man. Now, this is so huge, y'all. There are a lot of people that we have set apart and said there's something different about that man. There's a lot of dudes out there that were like, he's that dude. And we've set him apart. Let me tell you what it means for man to set someone apart. This is probably not what the flask that Samuel looked like, or that, that Samuel used looked like. I'm just going to say that the flask from our house is probably not like his. But there's one similarity. It was made by human hands. Can you all agree with that? Can anyone else agree that God didn't make this out of nothing and that some human made it? When we, when we set someone apart, it's not a bad thing to have heroes. It's not a bad thing to have people that we look at. It, 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 that's not a sin. It's not bad. I just need y'all to know that man chooses, and man pours the oil out sometimes, and man says, that person is different, and that's great. It's great that people are awesome. It's great that people are set apart, but there's a difference. Man chooses it. Man makes it, and man decides. In this case, this was absolutely what was taking place here. The tallest, most handsome man. That dude, he was a Benjamite. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the guy. He had to be the choice. The People's Choice Award goes to Saul. And they poured the oil on him. And God was okay with it. But there's one massive thing that happens in Saul's life. Before I show you the list in chapter 15, and we're not going to read from it. I just want to kind of walk you through it. But there's one big thing. Right when first... He, or excuse me, right when he first started, Saul walked with the Lord. But even when he first started walking with the Lord, he would just walk with him a little bit and he talked with him a little bit, but then he'd go do his own thing. I feel like this is the case for the church today. I feel like the case for the church today is Saul, that we hope that we can have enough of God that we can sprinkle him on anything that we need, but we walk away and we do our own thing. We have our own agenda. We have our own platforms. We have our own stuff. And then in the last minute, if we need him, we'll go say, God, help me. There's a massive difference between going in the name of the Lord and hoping the Lord shows up when you get there. I'm going to say that again because one person heard it and I'm married to her. Thank you, Lord. There's a big difference between going in the name of the Lord and going and hoping the Lord gets there when you arrive. There's a big difference in those two things and that was Saul. Saul knew that God had set him apart because the people chose him, but he never chose to go find God. As the king, I would have had the right to every single day Every single day, go into the holy, in the, in the innermost courts that only the king and the prophet could do. I had that right. And to the best of our knowledge, in 20 years as king, Saul never did. 
Why? Because something happens to a man, and I need y'all to lean in with me and listen to this. Ladies, this is for you because you should be thinking about this before you choose. And if you've chosen, think through this with me. Something happens to a man where because we want to be significant, we think, I got God because I said this prayer when I was eight at this VBS, and now I can go on my own terms, and God will show up whenever I need him. I can have his power because he's this magician that stands up in heaven and shoots these lightning bolts down at bad people. And, and even though he doesn't like some of the things I do, it's all good. I can do whatever I want to do. I can be significant and God might push me to get me there. God never does anything for your sake. God does everything for his name's sake is what the Bible says. The minute that I start thinking that this is about me, which by the way, if I'm the only one in the room, then I'll say amen to myself. I've lived that most of my life. It's been about me. I've been a Saul. Oh, I can sprinkle in Jesus' name. I can sound really good, but it's been all about me. If I was going to describe Saul in one word, it would be pride. Pride. Someone say pride. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. The minute that I start believing that this is about me, that this is, that I'm going to, that it's, I begin to look over my shoulder, trust goes away, and I want to be important. And it crushes everybody in my life. Watch what happens to Saul. Saul has these victories right at first. He's doing good. And then you get to chapter 15. And the Bible says in chapter 15 that the Lord instructs him through Samuel, through the prophet, kill everything. Everyone, listen. When I say everything, I mean everything, right? All the pots, all the pans, all the dishes, all the soaps. Everything's got to go. Clearance sale. No coding back, right? We're closing the doors. Everything's got to die. And including animals, he said kill everything, burn everything. Everything's got to go. There cannot be a remnant of this evil left on the earth. They were so carnal and so evil, God said wipe them out. God said, wipe them out. And so he said to Amalek, he sent him to kill Amalek and everything in the town and destroy everything. And then Saul disobeyed. And listen, here's the tension of what Saul did because I believe this is most of us. I believe this is most men. We'll do almost everything of what God said. He obeyed God, listen to me, he obeyed God and went to the place. He obeyed God and killed all of the men. He obeyed God and killed all of the stuff. He obeyed God up until the point that he looked at the stuff and his eyes stopped looking at the Lord. And he said, I need that. Oh, that thing shouldn't go. I bet God wouldn't care too much if I held on to this. It's not really that big of a deal. I can keep this for myself. And that is every one of us men that start telling God what it really needs to be when we know what God's called us to. When we start telling God, I, I, I'm just going to hold this. And then we start making excuses. Well, God wouldn't really care, would he? Like, it's really not that big of a deal. Does God really want all, I mean, that seems a little bit harsh. Like, the king shouldn't have to die. He's a king, so we'll get him, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll put him over in this nice cottage somewhere, and no one can touch him, and he'll be fine. He'll be in like a jail thing anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. And I'm going to keep some of the stuff, and listen, here's what I'm going to do. God, you're welcome for this, by the way. I'm going to give you, God, some of the stuff. That's awesome. Like, see what I did? God, I tithed, because I'm an awesome man. I take my pride in what I do. I take my pride in what I do for the Lord. God, look what I did for you. You're welcome. Samuel founds out, finds out what Saul's done, and Saul immediately says, I did obey God. Look at all that I did with no repentance in his heart whatsoever and has no idea what's actually taking place. Because Samuel was convinced that he could talk his way out of things like all of us are. Samuel was convinced that he could be good enough. This is why Samuel... Excuse me, why Saul reminds me 
so much of me. Even when we started this church, I used to go to these preaching conferences and these coaching networks, and I would see some people that are now my friends. One of them, if you want to know a particular one, is Pastor Tabner, who preached our five-year anniversary. Pastor Tabner and Brian are about the same height, and I'm 6'4 plus, and I'm very charismatic in my personality type. I'm extremely eccentric. A couple of the dudes in our room that were with me were kind of an introvert, right? So God needs a big personality is what my carnal thought life gave me. Y'all, we were running about 125 people at the time that I went to that the first time. And I was angry because I thought to myself, we're doing all the right things. The minute that I start telling God that I'm doing the right thing is the minute that I'm not looking for God. God isn't worried about if I'm doing the right thing. He's worried if he's the only thing. He's worried if my eyes are completely fixed on him. And we get so caught up in how significant we are based on what things are shifting in our lives. Look, a great victory took place. God must be happy with me. And we miss the point altogether of what God actually is and who God actually is. And I, y'all, I have been through so many broken steps. The reason I can preach this from a broken place is because I've been broken so many times in the last three years. I can't even describe it. Through four 40-day fasts, you would think I'd be skinnier. Come on, somebody. Through four 40-day fasts, God spoke to me and said, you're prideful, bro. You're selfish. You have unforgiveness in your heart. And I came to the realization that I was the definition of Saul. Sure, I could say the name of the Lord, but I was trying to convince people. I didn't live convinced. And the result of that is I hoped that I could talk people in based on the fact that I could look the part rather than the fact that God had all of my heart and I became the part. And I think what I hoped, y'all, was that y'all would pour, and whoever y'all is, man, would pour oil on me. Man, I think that maybe some of you can understand what I'm talking about in the room. That maybe I could be significant enough that people would start saying, he's the man, I can follow him. I don't care if you feel this or not, I need y'all to hear this. There's nothing more miserable than that. There's nothing more empty than that. There's nothing more hopeless than that, than hoping that you can keep doing the right thing and hoping that God will set some people free, hoping that you can do enough things that I can do that. Saying things out of your mouth like, I know this guy is, is really good and he's called and all, but I can do that. Guess what? God didn't call me to do any of their that's. And God didn't call you to do any of their that's. God has a that for you. And until I start realizing that this is all about him, then, I, then I'll shout and sound good. But when I leave, I'll kill the people that God called me to. I need y'all to get these two things. If y'all are taking notes, get these two things. When Saul left, he began, he asked, please let me make these sacrifices. Please let me make up for this. Please let me make up for this. Please let me make up for this. After he finally started saying he was wrong. I need y'all to know that you can never make up in sacrifice. You can never make up in sacrifice what you lose in disobedience. You can never make up in sacrifice what you lose in disobedience. I think so many times we want to be like some denominations are out there where no matter what I did during the week, 
If I pay enough money to the church, then I'll be all right. I need y'all to know that that is a line and a big pile of horse. You know what? That there is nothing that you can pay that can overcome your heart. Your heart is what God is after, not your money. He wants you to have his money so he can make it more. The reason that he asked for some of it is so he can redeem it, not so that you can be all right. He is the one that redeems. He is the one that sets me free. And I can never make up in a sacrifice what I lost through disobedience. And I think that's what I wanted, y'all. And then this is the second one. I believe there's some men and women in the room today that God's called you to cut some things out of your life. To separate from some things that God has told you, you know this isn't the best thing for you. This isn't my plan. This isn't you being with me. But whatever you choose to not kill that God called you to kill will eventually kill you. That flirtatious relationship that hasn't really gone too far so you say it's not that big of a deal I still got my eyes on my wife it is a big deal because eventually it's going to kill your relationship with your spouse whatever God is telling you to cut out if you don't and you say it's not that big of a deal I can handle this will eventually kill you And I need you to hear this because I think these verses are powerful. When God's hand was removed, y'all listen to this because this is the good part of the message. When God removed his hand from Saul, I feel like God was up there going, I tried to tell y'all, if y'all would let me pick the king and not beg me for a king, I got you. And so God goes to Samuel and says, go into Bethlehem and I've picked this dude out, this Bethlehem. He's actually one of the sons of Jesse. And so when Samuel went to Jesse, can you imagine being Jesse and feeling this feeling of like, oh my goodness, one of my boys are going to be the king. This is awesome. Woo! He's the man, right? Saul's not the man anymore. That's what I'm trying to talk about. Jesus' name. So he brings seven sons in. He had eight, but he only brought seven. One by one by one by one, they go in. One by one by one. And when they looked at Elab, they thought, you know this is that dude. I mean, get it back out. Grab all the drinks. We're fixing to have a party. We found the king. Praise the Lord. He's that dude. Let's pour the oil out on him now. This is, yeah, this is it. But look what the Lord said. He's like, Samuel, man, stop. Stop keeping the, making the same mistakes. Man of God in the house, stop. Don't look at his appearance. Ladies, don't look at his appearance. Don't look at just his appearance I, or on his height and stature. And Elab was, was handsome and tall, just like Saul, not quite as big and maybe not quite as handsome, but he was still that thing that we would pick. He's still, he's still the second choice in the draft because I've rejected him as well. I rejected Saul because of his disobedience, but I've not chosen him because I have rejected him for the Lord sees not as a man sees because man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And then something crazy happens. Samuel asks, Jesse, are these all your boys? Because I swear, this has to be right. God told me that it's one of Jesse's sons. And he's like, I got one more. He's just a shepherd. He's just the eighth one. He's like the run of the family. He's the one that nobody wants. That can't be that dude. Go get him. As soon as he saw him, God said, bingo. Bingo. Because I'm not looking at what you're looking at. I'm looking for something different. I'm looking for a generation to rise up that have all of me in them. 
that have given me all of their heart, that have, that, have, that have taken a step out and said, it's not man that has put the oil on my head. It's God that has put oil on my head. Man did not choose me for this position. God chose me for this position. Whatever it is for you, I don't have to be what I've always been, and it doesn't matter what they think. I don't have to prove it to you because God chose me. And this is what happened to David. He took a ram's horn of oil. Is this made by human hands? What's it? Who's it made by? God makes a ram. <laughs> Thank you, we're on the same page. And when a ram dies, you can take the horns off. And I bought this in Israel, and it's Hastings, so we're using his ram's horn today. But, but here's, here's the process. They, he would pour oil down in the ram's horn, but it was, still, it was still closed at the end with a cap. And when the right one, supernaturally when the right one, this didn't happen a lot in the Bible because God didn't anoint many people with a ram's horn. But, but when, when that person was chosen, a supernatural event, instead of just this, well, he's the People's Choice Award, would take place. I'm telling y'all right now, when you come to the realization that God has a great calling in your life, and it doesn't matter what any man thinks, when God has poured the oil on your life, when the oil starts flowing to separate you, when God pours the oil on your life, this is what happens. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed. Someone say rushed. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David that day forward. From that point on, no matter if he messed up or not, no matter what took place, because he knew that he didn't get to call himself, he wasn't the People's Choice Award, he wasn't the one everybody chose, and he wasn't, the, he wasn't even concerned if they did. He was concerned that the Lord did. And he said, I will step out and be God's mighty man. I will not try to be the man. I will be God's man. And it separated things, and it changed things. And David never... As bad as David messed up in his life, and he messed up bad, he never forgot the Lord. There's such a cool difference, and this isn't even really the message, but there's such a cool difference in how you look at the presence of God with these two men. When the Holy of Holies was brought back to Jerusalem, David was going so crazy that he actually stripped down to his nothings, to nakedness. And people were ridiculing him. And he said, I get to dance before the presence of God. Are you kidding me? I get to be with God. Listen, man of God in the room. You, because Jesus came, have an opportunity to spend time every day in the presence of God and go out and go in the name of God. And most of us are like Saul where we say, I'll get him on Sunday. I'll get him when I need to pay my sacrifice to make up for what, I, what is lost. I'll get him every once in a while. If I need something, maybe he'll meet me there. David said, I'm not going anywhere without the presence of God. And then this thing takes place in his life. Have y'all ever heard of David and Goliath? Y'all might have heard of this story before. David and Goliath. I think everybody, I don't think you have to grow up in church. Like if you ever watch the news, the, the NCAA tournament, there's always a David and Goliath. A da this, this would be a David and Goliath type upset. That's ridiculous. Like I don't think they know how big Goliath really was and how small David really was. It is such an overused giant Versus a small person that there's no, there's no upset that can be like this. This is way beyond impossible. Y'all, this is if my son, who some of y'all have seen, now he's Buckwild, okay? <laughs> Jesus' name. But if my son could kill me right now with a rock, I would kick him if he threw a rock at me. Are y'all with me? <laughs> it's not, it's illogical, it's silly. It's ridiculous because this, this champion of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath was nine feet, nine inches tall. Y'all, that's big. The basketball goal is 10 feet. The next time you're in a basketball arena or a gym 
or just at your house if you've measured it right, stand up to it right next to it and consider a 500 and something pound 10 foot dude. Nine foot nine. That, that's ridiculous. When David was probably less than five feet at the time, he was just a teenager. Half the size. I mean, literally, Hastings too big in this story for me. Are you kidding me? And this is what I think is interesting since we're comparing the two. I want to be the man. I want the people to love me. I want everybody to know I'm significant. That was Saul. Saul was still king in this story. Saul, Saul was the man. He was a foot taller than everybody else. Who was the Goliath of Israel? It was his fight. He was the king. You go get the battle. If you were the king, you were a great warrior. You go do the battle. It was his fight. And I want you to see what 1 Samuel 17 says as, as Goliath was standing there shouting, why don't y'all come, come out to battle? Draw up for battle. Get ready. Get somebody. Am I, am I not a Philistine who's invading your territory? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man. Who's the man? And let him come down and fight me. Who is it? I know y'all got somebody day after day after day. This, this gargantuan of a weird-looking big monster is yelling at these people. And he was so big, he was so big that there's no way that they could have clear thoughts. There's no possible way that during this scenario they had clear thoughts. And this is where I need everybody to lean in because we're almost done. But I'm telling y'all, I need you to picture what this part of the story is. The only reason that David even went to the battle at all. Y'all listen to this. The only reason that David even went to the battle at all is his dad, Jesse, who had hidden him away when David was looking for the people, or excuse me, Samuel was looking for the people. He hid him away and said, well, it's not him, so we'll just let him be a shepherd still. He was still a shepherd even though he was anointed to be king. And his dad came to him and said, listen, your brothers are fighting. Go take them some cheese and some bread. Do something useful. I need someone to hear this this morning. If you're not willing to tote the cheese and the bread, you'll never defeat a giant. If you're not willing to be a servant first and tote the cheese and the bread, then don't ever hope that you get a stage or a significant place or a CEO or whatever you think God's call is for your life. Pray to God that you never do because unless you're a servant first, you'll lead like a tyrant and be a Saul. David had no anticipation or expectation. You know he didn't when he left there. He, he walked in a situation that was a mess and he said, I'll go, I'll fight him. And David said, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Your servant will go fight this Philistine. I got him. Can you imagine? Like I would have been mad at him. You look at this dude like, shut up, punk. I'm a foot and a half taller than you and you come in here Talking junk like you got something. I can't even fight him. I'm scared to death of him. What you going to do? Saul said, you're just, a, you're just a kid. You're just a youth. You're not able to go and fight this, this giant. You can't fight this Philistine. He's been fighting since he was your age. And not only has he never lost, he's never even been scratched. What are you doing? Stop being an, oh, what's wrong with you? This frustrates me. Why are you doing this, David? I want to tell y'all a couple things that happened to me this week. Thursday, we had an awesome experience. Leah and Shannon and I got to go to a worship thing in Greenville, and it was at someone's house, and it was just really cool. The Lord showed up. It was awesome. And um, I got back here, and Leah and Shannon went home. 
And I was going right behind them, locking everything up, making sure it was closed. It was about 10.30, and I was just thinking about the night and the, that God had showed up and how awesome it was. And, y'all, I walked outside, and I was just talking to God. I was in that, I was still kind of in the zone in that moment. And when I walked out, I looked up at the stars back here, and I felt like I was about this big. Y'all ever done that before? It's just you, and it's dark, and you look up and you go, holy goodness, that is a long way away, and there's a bunch of them. David, the man of God, the one that we would choose to aim to be like, not Saul, says, when I look at the heavens and the earth and the stars, the moon and the stars, excuse me, who am I that you're mindful of me? Can I tell you all the difference between David and Saul? God, listen to me. What's going on? David, who, who am I that you're mindful of me? I mean, I should be insignificant, but, but you think of me. You desire a relationship with me. You love me. Who am I that you're, that you're mindful of me? And I just, I just heard from the Lord in that moment say, I'm this big. I'm the one that in my palm can hold the entire universe. We can't even get to the end of the universe with the best telescopes, but our God is so big that he can hold it in the palm of his hand. Our God is so great and so amazing, so powerful, so huge, so vast, and yet he loves you, ma'am, and loves you, sir, and calls you by name. And I need you to know in this room that if you've called on the name of the Lord and you've truly been saved, that he's got an amazing call on every one of your lives like he did a David life. But what we do is we leave and say, I'll get you next week, God. I'll pick you up where we left off. He wants to pick you up every day. He wants to put your feet on his rock. He wants to show you the way. But most of us, listen, I'm going to say this, most churches could accomplish what they accomplish without the presence of God in them every single week. Because we think that if we put on a show that we've got something for God, you can have the show. I don't want the show, I want God. But we get to make that decision, don't we? And this is what God told me standing right out there. Mark, there's some things in your life that are hurdles. And they feel kind of like a Goliath right now. The thing that you find significantly massive is the thing that you're looking to. Is it a Goliath in your life or is it God? Because it's easy at the last minute to go, hey man, you see this cat? It'd be nice if you'd help me. But what if you're a David and you go, that's it? He's just nine and a half feet tall. <laughs> he just weighs 600 pounds. He just could break me like this. It's just his armor weighs more than I do. I mean, that's no big deal, right? No big deal. Because, because I'm not going on my own. Because I got something different going on. Watch what he says to him right here, y'all. This is crazy. David looked at Saul, who it was his fight, but David didn't think less of him. It's crazy. I don't even, I can't comprehend this part yet. David didn't judge him and say, bro, won't you get out there? David said, I got it. Like, I really believe that this is the purpose that God called me to this in the first place. I know I was supposed to tote the cheese, but obviously God had something else in mind. There's been things in your life that you thought, how is God in this? If you'll just keep walking, God's got something better. Keep toting the cheese and watch what God does. I'm telling you right now, God's got something greater. But most of us put down the stuff and say, I'm not willing to do this. This was not what I chose. Keep walking. Because this is what David said. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. 
I've defeated these things as a shepherd. I've done these things before. And if he can deliver me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this giant Philistine. And Saul said to David, all right, man, go for it. And you know that Saul still thought to himself, is this dude crazy? But whatever. And listen, here's what happens in the story. Saul says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you my armor. I'm going to put my armor on. At least, at least you can go to battle with my armor. And it was all over him and it was falling off of him and he takes it off. And this is the exact thing that it says. I want y'all to go back and read it. First Samuel 17, he says, I can't wear this. It's not been tested. It's not been tested. I'm going to do it the way that God told me to do it. And you know that, like, I think about hasting with a rock. Like, what is this dude doing? And he, he's got his sling. That's all he had. It was kind of like a slingshot. And he picks up five small stones. And he's in this valley. And I can't imagine being an Israelite in, in the army and being one of those men that were warriors. They were great fighting men. And they're looking at this dude going, I wish this dude would stop. He's getting on my nerves. He's going to lose and then we're going to lose and then it's going to get crazy. If you're ever going to be significantly, excuse me, if you're ever going to be significantly used by God, you have to be willing for them to say you're crazy. That, 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 that you're not going to do that. that. Why are you doing that? that you're, and if you can't take that at the point that, that you hit your ceiling on, on ridicule from other people, you've reached your level of how much you'll trust God. You can never go past how much you're listening to other people. You will either buckle under the weight of human pressure and worry about being significant in their eyes and making sure that you're politically correct or you'll go to the one politically correct place that you can go and that's the king. You'll make sure that kingdom correctness is much more important than political correctness. You won't bow down before any man and you'll make sure that God is the one you bow down before and this was him. And y'all, this happened to me last night. This is crazy. But I'm so thankful for it. I was about to go to sleep last night. I'm not a very good sleeper. But I really don't require a ton, and so I feel really energized with like four hours most of the time. And Leah was asleep, and I was staring at you because you're good looking. And I, I was just getting ready to go to bed. And I was really trying to wind down, had all my stuff off. And I just prayed, Lord, if there's something that you want me to know for today, will you just tell me? Normally, I like for him to tell me right then. <laughs> and I didn't feel like I, I heard something really significant or really like he wanted me to hear and I just kept praying I prayed for some of y'all prayed for churches and I and I just shut it off and finally went to sleep I don't know what time that was don't know what time I woke up but in between that I dreamed and this was my dream I dreamed that I was sleeping oddly enough I could see myself sleeping on my back and I had this charge go through my body I've been <laughs> I've done electrical work with my dad several times and I know what it feels like to get shocked it didn't feel like that. It was much more significant of a shock. But it didn't hurt my body. It just threw my body off the bed back down. And I remember in my dream, sitting up in bed and staring straight ahead and being terrified. You know that feeling of I'm scared to death and my heart's beating so fast it's going to come out of my chest, that 200 beats per minute, kind of scared? That's, that's what I was feeling. And I heard the Lord say, you're giant is like a giant but I'm like this imagine if I was standing before you today with a nuclear bomb strapped to me not a car bomb not C4 not something that would blow all of you up but would blow up Greenville and Spartanburg County and the surrounding areas and parts of North Carolina Georgia and all the way down to probably Florida and Kentucky and Tennessee would be affected 
if I set off a nuclear bomb in here? He said, Mark, that's what it means to be a man of God. That's what it means to have my spirit in you. And that's what it means to walk under the umbrella and the name of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't matter what they think. That's who every man and every woman that is called by me, that walks out with me in them, that's what they are. That thing that you think is impossible is so not impossible because God has it. But when we look at it and we think that is the obstacle, we fail to realize that we serve a God who creates all things and moves all things and is greater than all things. He is so much more significantly powerful than our minds can imagine, but we can't even wrap our minds around that. I'm not asking you to wrap your minds around that. I'm asking you to wrap your mind around God and that he loves you and that he called you and that he sent Jesus to die and raise again so that we could have life in his name and he didn't call us to do those things to get us a get out of hell free card he got us so that we could have life and we could be free and we could walk in him and we could be men in the room listen to me that we could be David's and not Saul's you don't have to be significant you just have to walk in his name because this is what happens I go in the name of the Lord I will not put on any other man's armor I will put on the Lord's armor I will do what he's called me to do I will not try to be anybody but Mark because God called me to this not any other church, not any other place, but the oil poured here. Listen to me, men. The oil poured on you for exactly where God called you to do it. It's not lesser or greater. It's his purpose in your life. And most of us look and say, I don't want that. But if you don't want what God has, then you'll be a Saul because you'll try to shift something and do what you want to do. And here's what happened in the story. And all of you know it, but I need you to hear the words of the power behind this story. David stood in front of this Philistine. And you can imagine this Philistine making fun of him, this Goliath, looking down going, what am I, like a dog that you throw a stick? Who is this dude? And, and, and in a moment, he could have killed him with anything he wanted to. And David looked at him and said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. And even though that sword and spear and javelin weighed about as much as I do, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. On this day, somebody say this day. This day, this day, not tomorrow. I'm not scared, not yesterday. There's no fear in me because I've come in the name of the Lord. And on this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head and put that big old gallon head around and I'm going to let the world see what God did. I, his head weighed so much more than David did. But he said, I'm picking it up. I'm putting it in a wheelbarrow, whatever I got to do. But it's coming off. Because no longer will the snake be in charge. No longer will the serpent, no longer will any devil, no longer will anything because we come in the name of the Lord. And he said, I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day. And I'm going to let the birds eat them up. I'm going to let everything else come. That the earth may know, come on somebody, that there is a God in Israel. And then this is my favorite verse. This is my favorite verse in this passage. This is for somebody in the room today. Men and women alike, struggling in relationships, struggling in, struggling in your life, not knowing where to turn. I need you to know that a man's microphone doesn't save you. That 10 steps are great, but they don't save you. That there's no pill, that there's no class. But there's this. Here's what David says right before he kills him in the most ridiculous way you can imagine with a slingshot he died before his head was cut off that was just symbolic for I'm set 
I'm cut free. I'm no longer bound to this giant. I'm set free. I'm no longer bound to the Philistines. I'm set free. I'm no longer what I was. I'm set free. God does not save you to keep you there. He, sets, he saves you to set you free so you can walk away, so you can have victory in your life. Not so that you are trying to survive and get through, but so you can thrive. That is the key. And, and he said, I want the world to know that everybody may know, that all may know that the Lord saves not with a sword, and not with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he, somebody say he, he will give you into our hand. He will give you into our hand. I wonder this. I know some of you have some battles that have overwhelmed you and have overcome you, and, and you've had so many defeats in your life that you can't even know where to turn. I wonder how many of you went in the name of the Lord. I wonder how many of us that blame God and get angry with God and say, I can never be that. Look what they've done, have gone in the name of the Lord. I wonder how many times we've turned our back on a God who loves us so deeply. Go that he gives us an opportunity every day to spend time with him. That he calls us son and daughter. That he loves us so, so deeply that he would give his own son. I love y'all. And I deeply love some of you like brothers and sisters. But I would not give up my boy for you. But the God of the universe that spoke and created everything that exists said, that is my love for you, sir. That is my love for you, ma'am. That is what I think about you. Why do we leave and go in any other name? I know, men, what it's like to want to be significant, but I'm telling you right now, when you let God have it all, and you say, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. It's not about me. It's not about me being important. It's never been about me important. The world doesn't need Mark. The world needs the one that's in Mark. And I come, not by spear and not by sword, but I come in the name of the Lord. And there's a nuclear bomb that wants to go off inside of you. But it doesn't kill, it heals. And it sets the captives free. And it does all of these things. I'm telling you right now, this is not hype. This is not feel good. This is the Lord. We serve a God that's so much better than my voice can, can articulate. But this is what I think separates people. And this is the last thing. Paul said in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not Jesus is good, not Jesus is nice, not Jesus is awesome. Jesus is Lord. Somebody say Lord. Do y'all know what that means? It means that I'm not Saul. Because I'm not saying that I'm the Lord of my life and I'd like him to come beside me and be cool and get me out of hell who confesses that he is Lord over all and in all and through all. He is the boss. He's the king. He's my dude. He's beside me. He, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on a path of righteousness for his name's sake. I don't understand where I'm going. I don't know what this is about. I don't trust everything about everything around me. But I know this. I'm going in the name of the Lord and I don't have to fight. He will fight for me because I've confessed that he is my Lord. Not he's cool. Not he's God but he is my Lord and then I believe in my heart that word believe means to trust fully to trust fully so many people say in their minds I think this God is I know him but, but I don't know if I can really fully trust him and I really think that's what separates major moves of God and healing in homes and lives being changed 
is there is a remnant in this world that God is ready to rise up and change. He's ready to see something great happen. But it's going to start with some men of God saying, I will take the place in my role that I'm supposed to. Because I don't lead with an iron fist. I lead by serving and by loving as Christ loved the church. I will be God's man. I will stand up. I will be God's man. And I will believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I will be saved. And I will be set free. And I will be changed in an instant and in a moment. And every day from this day forward, I will walk with Christ. It will not be in my own way. It will not be in my own time. I will be misunderstood. I will be judged. I will be ridiculed. But it doesn't matter because I come in the name of the Lord. And I'm telling y'all right now, this is what I believe the Lord told me. Many people call on the name of the Lord. But they never call him Lord. And until he's Lord... We'll keep leaving and going, oh, I did this, this thing today, God, and I hope you fix it. And he's waiting on you, sir, to be the man of God in your home, at your workplace. He's waiting on you. So this is what I need to know from you, sir, from you, sir, from you, sir, from you, ma'am, from you, ma'am. I need to know this. Do you know all about Jesus because that's what religion does? Or have you started a love relationship knowing that his plan is so much better than your plan could ever be? And you can begin to walk into your destiny because it's not feel good. It's God. It's his amazing plan for your life to be like a David. Do you mess up? Oh my goodness, yes. But your heart yearns for the Lord and everything changes. Everything changes. Your circumstances don't, but your heart does. I need to know in this room this. I really believe that there are people that need to stand up and say, I am calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. To be saved. To be saved. I will not stand for anything else. I will be God's man. I will be God's man. I don't care what my neighbor thinks. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I will be God's man. I'm ready to give my heart and my life to him. I will be God's man. I will be God's woman. I am ready to do that today. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be not what man looks at on the outward appearance of being good enough, but I know I'm good enough because he called me. I will be God's man today. I will follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you and you want to say, God, I will trust you. I've never been saved before, but right now is my day of salvation. Listen to me. I really believe that there are people in this room under the sound of my voice, both men and women, that need to stand up. Stand up and say, he is my Lord, he is my master, he is overall, and I trust him. I follow him. I choose to walk in obedience with him. I will be saved because I'm calling and confessing, and he will deliver me. I've sinned, and I've fallen short, but he is my Savior. Listen, if that's you, don't you let anything hold you back because pride is Saul, and pride keeps you in a seat when your heart is beating so fast that you know it's your time to stand up and say, I will follow Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Today is the day of salvation for me. If that's you, man of God, if that's you, woman of God, I will follow Jesus right now. You stand up wherever you are. You stand up. Don't let anything hold you back. You be the first one. You be the bold David in this room to say, I will stand up and I will follow Jesus. If nobody else does, I'll be the one that does. I will stand up and I will follow Jesus Christ. I will be saved right now. I will be saved right now. I will follow Jesus.
I will follow Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm believing that everybody in here is saved, so I want you to hear this. I'm not going to give you a choice in what I'm about to ask. I'm asking y'all to do it. Would every man in the room stand up? I'm not asking you to move. I'm just asking you to stand up, men in the room. Ladies, you can, if it's your husband or your close friend or whatever, you can kind of put your hand on his elbow or hold his hand. I just, I just want y'all to know the significance of this moment. There's not many things I'm more passionate about than men of God. Because I believe that if this was ever the men that were standing up, then something major would shift. That the world would never know what to do. That it would never be the same. That things would begin to change. Because we wouldn't go to our workplace. We wouldn't go to our homes. We wouldn't go anywhere without the name of the Lord. We wouldn't ever want to escape the presence of God. We wouldn't ever want to escape what God has for our lives. So this is what I want you to do. I'm not going to get emotional or talk you into it. But if you would say, Pastor, I feel like today was for me. And I'm saved, but I'm not willing to stay where I am. I fought hard and I want to be significant and there's nothing wrong with wanting significance. There's something wrong when that is the only thing that I want. But today, today, I'm going in the name of the Lord. When people see me, I want them to know that there is a God of Israel, that there is a God in the upstate of South Carolina, and that everything that I do, I'm trusting that the Lord's pouring the oil out, not man chose me, that I have a great purpose, that I will follow Jesus Christ in all that I do, and my home will never, ever be the same as a result of what I'm doing right now. I'm not asking you to do something magical. I'm just asking you to come down here right now with everybody looking. Look around, men. With everybody looking. I want you to stand down. If you're the only one, I want you to stand out right here and say, you're talking to me. That's me. I will, I will be that man. I will be God's man. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. I will be that man. If that's not you, then don't, don't just come for peer pressure. You stay in your seat, and I got respect for you if you do that. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to see God shift something major in your life, then you come. You come. Jesus. I'm thankful for every man in this room and every lady in this room. I'm thankful for you and what you mean. And God, I just pray right now that these men of God that are standing before me realize the weight is not on them to be good enough. The weight is on them because you're on them. And they are good enough. And they are called. And they are powerful, mighty men. And they are world changers. And they are great husbands and great fathers and great sons and great co-workers. And God, we're going to see a major thing shift, not because of what we do, not because of how good we are, not because of the way we look, not because of where we come from, but because we come in the name of the Lord. And we cry out to you. You're our Father, you're our King, and we love you. God, I believe today that homes are changed and lives are changed because of your word and because of your name, not because of a message, but because of the name of the Lord Jesus. Because you set the captives free and you change everything. We love you, Jesus. And we sing this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all remain here and just worship with us.